morning. Man, this is the first time I've been in here doing this since like last March, I think it was. This is cool. Um, we're going to continue our uh, working through the book of Jeremiah this morning. Uh, last week we started a new series on the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a, an Old Testament prophet. He, he lived and, and prophesied to the southern kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, during the last 40 years or so of their kind of existence before they were conquered by Babylon and, uh, and they were carried off into exile. And so much of Jeremiah, including the first six chapters, uh, are basically Jeremiah warning the people, warning the people that God's judgment is coming, that he's going to send this other nation to conquer them because of their failure to love him, their failure to love other people, and to live as he calls them to live. And so a lot of it's warning, a lot of it's urging them to repent. And, um, and then in the midst of things, there's, in the midst of all of that, there's also words of hope and encouragement that he's encouraging them to, to hold on to, to latch on to. Um, this morning, we're going to look at chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 16 to 21. And in these verses, he gives, them a, he gives the people of Israel a prescription for what they need to do if they want to experience rest. That sounds good to me. Um, rest is something that I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that every single one of us, in some way or another, feels like, I could use some rest today. <laughs> you know? Uh, maybe it's because you're working furiously at work. Maybe it's because uh, life has just been hard lately. Maybe it's because you've been kind of, your mind's been going over time, thinking about how you can solve your problems or the problems of the people around you. And you're just like, I'm, I'm feeling weary and I just need some rest. I need some peace. And so he gives us a prescription right here in these verses. So that's, that's good news. I would encourage you to listen as I read. I'm going to read Jeremiah 6, verses 16 to 21. Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. I set watchmen over you saying, pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not pay attention. Therefore hear, O nations, and know, O congregation, what will happen to them. Hear, O earth, behold, I am bringing disaster upon this people, the fruit of their devices, because they have not paid attention to my words. And as for my law, they have rejected it. What use to me is frankincense that comes from Sheba or sweet cane from a distant land? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices pleasing to me. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will lay before this people stumbling blocks against which they shall stumble. Fathers and sons together, neighbor and friend shall perish. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would help us. We are asking for you to meet us right now. For your spirit to work in us to show us what we need to see about you, what we need to see about ourselves, what we need to see about our own need. 
And Father, we pray that you would help us to lay hold of the promise you give us to find rest for our souls this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think that for a lot of us, we tend to think that newer is better. You know, we believe that new is what we need. Things that are new are what we need. We gravitate towards things that are new. Do you find that for yourself, maybe, in some ways? I was uh, listening to a conversation between a husband and wife, a disagreement between a husband and wife recently, where um, she really wanted a new phone. She really wanted a new phone. She said she needed this new phone. And he's like, how old's your phone? Two years. He said, can you call on your phone? Yes. Can you text people on your phone? Yes. I want a new phone. You know, we think no matter how little of an improvement the new iPhone version of the iPhone is, everybody's scrambling to pay for it, right? No matter how much they don't really need it. We think that new is what we need. I mean, it's not just iPhones. I mean, I get excited about... Anytime an Amazon box shows up on our porch, you know, it's exciting to see. It's always disappointing when it's addressed to somebody else. But when it's addressed to me, it's very exciting because I can't, just, I can't wait, you know, to get whatever is in there because it's new, you know. I could get excited about unboxing a new vacuum. It would be, I would be pumped. It would be exciting. New is what we need. New is better. And, and if it's, not, it's not just things, you know, it's new philosophies about way to live, you know new strategies about how to handle life or new life hacks that people come up with, right? Um, or maybe it's just like, I feel like every, every year there's a new diet that people are using, right? New is what we need. If we just have what's new, we'll be okay. Life will be better. And it's not just what, what is new, but I think it's also a lot of us tend to think that now, we, we tend to focus on what is now as being the thing that we need. You know, what, what is it? If we can just get what I want now, I'll be okay. Life will be better. If I can just solve my problems now, then I'll be, be able to have peace and I'll be able to have rest. So it's not just what's new. It's also focusing on what's now. And for a lot of us, it's just, you know, it's, it's what's not so long ago is what we need. Have you noticed that about yourself? You know, life was so much better when I was in my 20s. Life was so much easier when I was in high school. Life was so much easier when I was in second grade. If only I could get back, get back to that, you know, feeling about life. You know, for, for a lot of us, it's what's new. For some of us, it's what's, if we can fix our things now. For a lot of us, it's, it's what's not so long ago. It's like, if we can get back to the good old days. You know, for a lot of us, we tend to think that if only we could get our country back to the way it was in the 1950s, it would be better. Or maybe the 17th century, it would be better. We think that, that you know, peace and, and rest is found in, in what used to be. We have this nostalgic feeling about things, the fact that life was better back then. and that Everything's just getting worse and harder and more exhausting. What God says to the Israelites is this. If you want rest for your soul, did you notice this? If you want peace, if you want wholeness, if you want to be okay, then you don't need to look to what's new. You don't need to figure out, you know, how to fix your life now. You don't even need to look to not, what's so long, you know, not so long ago, to the good old days. But you need to look to what is ancient. Did you pick up on that? He says in verse 16, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths. 
So the, the idea at first, he says, stand by the roads and look. The idea is this, this person who you know, is faced with maybe some choices of different ways to go, and he says, stand there, stop, pause, consider. Think about your life. What is the best route you need to take? Stand and look. You know, look at these different paths. Consider. Which way is the best one? You know, it's a, have you ever seen you know, a, a movie about a person or a group of people, they're, they're like trapped in this underground cavern or in this, you know, this cavern in this mountain, and they come to a chamber and there's all these doors you know, ahead of them. There's these openings or different caverns in front of them. And they have to figure out you know, which way do they need to go to get out. And they all don't just, the, the, the smart ones don't just rush to the first one they see. They stop and they think. And so he's encouraging us to stop, pause, consider, think about your life. Think about which way is best to go. And he says, the path that you need to look for is the ancient one. The ancient path. And when he's talking about the ancient path, he's, he's talking to the Israelites here, right? And this is the, you know, the, the seventh, getting on towards the sixth century BC. And he's talking about the time, maybe 800 years before, when God used Moses in, a, in, a, in an incredibly powerful way to, to rescue his people out of Egypt. And he used Moses to, to speak to the people and give them his law and, and to write the first five books of the Bible, to, to tell them about the, the beginning of all things. That's, that's the ancient path that he's talking about, the ancient ways, the ways of Moses. He's encouraging the people. This is 800 years after Moses. And, and I'm sure the people of Israel are starting to think, well, that's, you know, how relevant is that for us, really? And there are a lot of us today who probably think, well, how relevant is that for us, really? But he says, no, that is where you find the answers. That is where you find the answers. And the way that God worked from all eternity, the ancient path. And, you know, as, as you, if you can picture those people that are standing in that cavern with those open openings in front of them, how do they figure out which one to go in? Well, I've seen some stories or movies where, you know, somebody would be like, oh, there's water trickling down out of this one. That means there must be a source of water up ahead. We must be able to get out that way. Or there's, you know, they're, they're holding a torch and they hold it up to one of the doorways and, and the, the torch kind of, you know, blows for some wind. And they're like, oh, the wind, there's air coming from this way. We need to go that way. And so what I want to do this morning is, is say there's three things, I think, in this, these verses, three characteristics, I would say, of the ancient path that we need to pursue if we want to experience the rest and the peace that that ancient path provides, okay? So the first thing that I want to point out that's characteristic of the ancient path is that the ancient path is the path of God's law. It's the path of God's law. If you look at verses 17 to 19, it says what? I set watchmen over you saying, pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not pay attention. Therefore, hear, O nations, and know, O congregation, what will happen to them. Hear, O earth, behold, I am bringing disaster upon this people, the fruit of their devices, because they have not paid attention to my words. And as for my law, they have rejected it. So what's the problem with the people? They have rejected the law of God. They have rejected the commands of God that he had given them through Moses, these, these ancient commands. They've said, we're not going to listen. We're not going to obey. Right? So that's one of the characteristics of the ancient path is that it's, it's the path of obedience to the laws of God. You see, God gave his people laws. He gave them commands and rules to live by. And he would remind them all throughout the Old Testament. He would say, you know, if you want to experience life the way it's meant to be lived, then you need to live according to my instructions, according to my rules, according to my laws. 
If you obey, you will find life. And that makes sense because God is the one who's created everything. He's the one who has designed life itself. And so if we want to know how relationships will work best without turmoil, without tension, without friction, then we will try to order our relationships according to his law, right? We'll try to order our relationships and our life according to his commands, the commands of the one who's designed everything. Life will, will go better if we live according to the commands of the designer. Does that make sense? I mean, you, you see this in everyday life. Um, if you think about just a regular basic tool like a saw, for, for many years of my life when I, was, when I was younger, I thought that the way to use a saw was to use all of my strength and it, it was like, it, it, it depended on how much, I could, how much pressure I could put on the wood, you know, to, to saw through it. And it was just exhausting doing that. It wore me out. And I'd make progress, but it would, it would just take forever. And I'd be like, my arm would be about to fall off when I was done. Until I realized that, you know, the saw is made to just, you know, be pushed all the way back and forth, just glide lightly over the wood. And as you do that, you let the teeth of the saw do the work for you. And it's just like slides through the wood, you know, almost like butter if the teeth are sharp enough. It doesn't take that much effort at all. It works better if you use it according to the design. That's what I'm trying to say, right? And so in the same way, as we think about life, it works better when we seek to obey the rules of the designer, the laws of the designer, God's laws, okay? And so... One way that we can find rest, and this, this doesn't mean that, that by obeying God, our, our world is perfect and easy, but I think life tends to be easier in a lot of ways when we obey, when we live according to his commands. And so it's, it's, following the ancient path is about looking to obey God when he says life is primarily about loving him and loving other people rather than being self-absorbed. You know, it's about obeying him when he says that. It's about obeying him when he says to be careful with the words that we use and how we speak. It's about obeying him when, when he says to, to use our words to, to build others up rather than to tear them down. It's about obeying him when he says to live our lives by a principle of radical generosity rather than clinging to what we think is ours. When it comes to our money and our things and our time. It's about being obedient when he says to be patient with the people around me and to forgive them when they've hurt me, when they've sinned against me, when they've made me angry. This is the path, the ancient path. The, the one way, one, one way to, to find greater peace in my life is to seek to be more obedient in how I live that life, in, in the way that I interact with the people, in the way that I use my words, in the, way that I, in the, in the things that I pursue. So the path of God's law is one of the ways that we can seek the ancient path. The second characteristic of the ancient path is that it's the path of the heart. It's the path of the heart. In verse 20, he says this, What use to me is frankincense that comes from Sheba, or sweet cane from a distant land? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, nor your sacrifices pleasing to me. God says something here that he's often rebuking the people of Israel for. Right? Have you ever heard God rebuke the people of Israel for something similar? When, when they, they're just kind of like, their religion uh, has made, is, is all tied up with just their, um, their, their ritualistic, mechanical worship. 
the offerings they give, the sacrifices they give, and yet their lives don't reflect an actual interaction with the living God. Their lives don't reflect a love for God. He gets very upset with the people because their, their, their relationship with him is mere external stuff rather than internal stuff. That's what God cares about. Throughout the old, whole Old Testament, over and over, God, over and over again, God is saying, I care about what's going on in your heart. I care about your motives, not just you doing the right thing. And so he says, I don't care about frankincense, no matter how costly it is from Sheba. I don't care about Cain from a distant land. I don't care about how, how extravagant your offerings are. What I care about is your heart. What I care about is your motive for these things. He says, your burnt offerings are not acceptable because your motives aren't right. Your heart is not right. You're just trying to manipulate me. And so God cares about what's going on deep inside of us, deep in our hearts. If we want rest, real rest doesn't doesn't happen on a surface level. Real rest can only happen deep down in the depths of our heart. Now, this may be the hardest thing we have to work through here. This might be the hardest thing we have to work through here because uh, the point is, if we want rest, if we want to be okay, then we have to work at it on a heart level. We have to get in the habit of asking ourselves questions about our motives. We have to get in the habit of asking the question, why? That question, why, is the most annoying question in the world, in my opinion. If any of you guys have been around little kids, some of them more than others, but they all like to say, why? You know, why do I have to get in the car? Why do I have to do my homework? Why do I have to go, go to bed now? Why do I have to eat my broccoli? You know? And the most annoying thing about why questions is that even if you answer the why question, there's always another why question after that. They never stop. And so I know, you know, as a parent, I'm supposed to be encouraging their curiosity and their you know, desire to know and learn about life, but a lot of the time, I just want to squash those whys as much as I can. You know? When they ask me why, I'm like, why do you want to know? I hit them back with their own medicine, you know? But this is the thing, that we have to get in the habit of asking ourselves why. Why do I feel this way? Why am I sad today? Why am I so angry, really? Why am I in such a rush? Why am I here this morning? Did you consider that question? As you came here this morning, why are you here? Are you just here because somebody dragged you here? Are you just here because it's the thing you do to kind of feel better about yourself? You know, I, I go to church. Are, are, you, are you here because you're in some subtle way trying to manipulate God, you know, because I feel like my life should go better if I show up at church once in a while or on a regular basis? Why are you here? We need to answer that question for ourselves. Are we here because we, we long for more of God, because we want to meet him, because, we, because we, we love him. Why are you here? We need to ask these questions of ourselves because that's what God cares about. He cares about your heart. He cares about what's going on in your heart. He cares about why, he cares about why you're here. And he wants to meet you on a heart level. You know, why? Why do I only pray when things are going catastrophically wrong in my life? Why? 
We need to be asking ourselves these questions. Because God isn't interested in us just going through the motions and us just kind of mechanically doing religious things. That's not what's going to give us peace. That's not what's going to give us rest. God promises rest for our souls. And if you want deep, daily soul rest, then you have to get in the habit of investigating and asking yourself why. Why do I get annoyed? <laughs> As I look at everybody, like all the people wearing masks, why do I get annoyed with having to wear a mask? <laughs> Things like that, you know? We have to answer the questions of why. God cares about what's going on in our hearts. And that's the path. That's part of the ancient path, is what's going on in our heart. Lastly, the ancient path is the path of need. It's the path of need. I want to bring your attention back to verse 16 and notice just one little tiny word. Okay, so, as he says, Stand by the roads and look, and do what? Ask. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask. A little tiny word. You know, the ancient path is given to those who are in need and who ask. This is who God shows himself to be over and over and over and over and over again. He is a God who delights to meet people in the midst of their need. When they cry out for him, he's a God who delights in showing up. You know, what did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? Ask, and it will be given to you, right? God is a God who delights in, in, in showing himself to be enough for those who know they need him. And so he encourages us to ask. He doesn't hide the ancient path and give us a bunch of instructions that this is, you know, that you have to follow these directions to get there. No, he says, just ask. Ask. Do you want rest for your soul? Then go to God as one who is needy and ask him to meet you and care for you and love you. Without need, you cannot know God. I'll say that again. Without need, you cannot know God. I mean, so much of my life, I, I, I spend, you know, trying to figure things out on my own. I spend trying to rely on myself. And the more, and I, the more that I do that, the more that I'm, I'm going to miss God and the way that he shows up and the way that he shows himself to be big and enough, the way that he shows himself to be good, the way that he shows himself to be present. We cannot know, know God. We cannot experience the reality of the living God without need without crying out to him, without asking him, without falling on our face. Um, not out of worship, but maybe out of incompetence. <laughs> Embrace the fact that the only answer to this question of, of, of our need for rest is, is recognizing our own need. He is the answer. Get in the habit of waking up every day saying to God, I need you today. Wake up every day and say, God, I need you, please. Will you please show up for me? This is where rest is found. When you know that you're needy, but you know that God is enough. That is where rest is found. It's, it's the ancient way from the beginning 
That is where rest is found. No matter what kind of chaos is going on in life, if you know that you are needy and yet God is enough, that is what brings rest. So this is the ancient path, one of obedience to the law, one that examines our hearts and deals with it, one that is needy. But the thing is, as I think about this, um, this honestly all sounds pretty hard. It sounds kind of exhausting. You know, God says this will give you rest, but obedience, working really hard at being perfect, that's going to give me rest? That sounds hard. That sounds exhausting. Dealing with my heart will give me rest? That sounds really exhausting. Asking myself why. You know, I try to stop my kids from asking me why, and now, now I need to ask myself why? That sounds hard. That sounds tiring. Maybe the easiest thing is, is thinking about the path of need, you know? But even that, I, I just have this habit, this tendency of just trying to plow ahead with life, relying on myself. So even that is kind of difficult. Well, this is the good news. This is the good news. is that, that God doesn't just give us instructions in verse 16. He doesn't just say, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths. He doesn't just point us to the ancient path. But the one who designed the ancient path, the ancient one himself, has actually entered into history. Jesus Christ, the ancient one, the eternal one, he has actually entered into history 2,000 years ago. And listen to what he said. Well, did you listen to what he said earlier in the service in Matthew 11? Did you hear what he said? When he said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly of heart. You know, he's encouraging us to, to live the life of obedience, you know, to, to take his yoke upon us as he invites us to, to follow him, as be his disciples, to listen to him. He invites us with, with heart language, you know. I'm lowly and gentle of heart. And what does he promise? You will find rest for your souls. Jesus' words, very similar here to, to that line in verse 16. I, I can't help but think that Jesus maybe is thinking of Jeremiah 6 as he said this. And this is the good news, is that the ancient one doesn't just point to where we need to go to find rest. He enters our world and he says, come to me. He says, come to me. And, and I will take your hand and I will walk the ancient path with you. I will carry you along the ancient path. That's the good news. The good news is that the ancient one himself has come. You, know, you notice that, that last verse in verse 21 where Jeremiah pronounces the judgment upon the people, the punishment for the people. He says, Behold, I will lay before this people stumbling blocks against which, against which they will stumble. Fathers and sons together, neighbor and friend shall perish. If we ignore the ancient path, the only thing we have to expect is to be tripping over ourselves and falling face first through life. And yet... What Jesus has done, the ancient one in coming into our world, is he has taken upon himself the, the judgment that we deserve. He's allowed himself on that cross to be, to, to be the one who stumbles and even dies for our sin. 
And that's why he can say, and, and we can trust him when he says, come to me. Come to me. Take my hand, and you will find rest. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us listen to the words of Jesus this morning. That we would listen to his words of invitation to come to him. That he would, we, would, we would recognize that it is in Jesus alone that we can find grace that will meet us and give us the rest that every, every single one of us desperately needs. Help us to listen. Help us to believe. Help us to walk that path with you, our Savior. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able, please stand once again.